0: Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove.
2: Yes, welcome back to listener. Episode 251 and and the old gang are back together again. <laughs> I'm Trevor the Iron <laughs> aka the Iron Fist. With me uh, all the way from central Queensland via Zoom the Velvet Glove Scott, how are you? Not too bad, thanks, Trevor. G'day, Trevor. G'day, Paul. G'day, listeners. And, of course, Paul, the 12th man. G'day, Trevor. G'day, Scott. G'day, listeners. It feels like old times, dear listeners. It does. Yeah. It does, yes. And it's going to be one of those episodes where we just talk about uh, current events, um, things that are happening in the world. There's plenty going on, so we've got lots of topics to talk about, hopefully argue about, have different opinions about. Uh, so we'll get on to that. But first, a little indulgence. I had my Anzac Day podcast Last on Saturday, and uh, I was very happy with it. I got some lovely uh, feedback and comments, so to the people who did send their feedback, thank you very much. Much appreciated. And, Scott, um, you told me something interesting. Do you want to tell the listener? or?
3: Oh, yeah. Um, I knew you'd get to it once you, um, once you said you were going to list off the however many Australians have been killed in Afghanistan, and I knew you'd come across my um, cousin's eldest name. So, yeah. so, my cousin's eldest um, was killed in Afghanistan in two thousand and eight or nine or something like that.
2: Mm. Yeah, I had no idea um, until you told me afterwards. So that would have been a little bit of a surreal yeah. moment. Yeah, mm.
3: uh, it was because I well, I knew it was coming once you'd actually said what you were going to talk about. So yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, that was a. Uh, I remember when it happened happened it was a hell of a shock to all of us because it was um it really brought it home Hmm. what the Australian soldiers were actually doing and it brought it right home into our lounge room and even my dad who doesn't really like um my cousin's mother (laughs) even said to me he says well it's uh brings it close to home doesn't it Hmm. so you know which is um it was a very brutal thing, but um, anyway, it's, it's he's been gone quite a few years now. So yeah,
2: so anyway, he was only twenty-one when he died. Mm, yep, yeah, that is so young. So, dear listener, um, agitate for next year. If you you know ring up your local RSL and talk to them about the ceremony and. Um, and I've been banging on about them for years. And so it was actually quite a cathartic experience to do my own. And, um, and so we'll have to do another one next year of some sort. So, Right. So one of the things that was mentioned I think so. just uh, one of the things we mentioned, or I mentioned in that podcast was uh, Afghanistan and about the war. And I've got in the show notes uh, a link to some articles which basically explains how our leaders, our politicians, have for years told a story where they said, we're making strong progress, good things are happening in Afghanistan, we can see a light at the end of the tunnel, it's not all in vain. Yet, thanks to stuff that's come out from WikiLeaks and published in the Washington Post, we know that behind the scenes, the politicians knew and were saying Quite the opposite. So um, so I'll just read a little bit from this article. After a three-year legal battle, the Washington Post in t- December 2019 secured formerly top-secret US government information about the Afghanistan war, collected for an internal review called Lessons Learned. It contains interviews with hundreds of military leaders, diplomats, aid workers and Afghan officials, and their account of the war violently contradicts with what the US government Um, and various allies were saying. And the key revelations are that behind the scenes, consensus was that the war was not well managed. There was no strategy, no real plan, no real knowledge of who the enemy was. What started as retaliation for 9-11 to fight al-Qaeda soon became muddled. Within six months, al-Qaeda's leaders had been captured, killed or had fled. Confusion reigned about why Americans were still there and what the US was fighting for. Planning was a disaster and leaders knew things were not going well. In public, they were claiming it's a tough fight, but we're making progress. We just need more money and more troops. And to give you an example, um, I've got uh, some some articles that refer to various politicians. So this is both sides of the political fence. It's not just Labor or Liberal or whatever. So both sides. But to take Kevin Rudd as one example... 6th of January 2008, according to this WikiLeaks, he said, Afghanistan scares the hell hell out of me. And it was clear there was no common strategy for winning the war or winning the peace. And the national security establishment in Australia was very pessimistic about the long-term prognosis for Afghanistan. Yet, 11 months later... Kevin Rudd says, no plans to increase troop numbers in Afghanistan, but committed to the war and believed Australians were making progress. Two years later, according to WikiLeaks, the government is deeply pessimistic about Australia's engagement in in Afghanistan and officials have described as hopeless, the key task of training the Afghan National Police. It goes on. And yet, uh, let me see, four months uh, after that, Rudd was saying, I've been back to Afghanistan four or five times in recent years. On this occasion, I felt some genuine basis for optimism, blah, blah, blah. Like What they were saying to us in public was just completely different Mm. to what they were saying in private.
0: Yeah, particularly the promises Mm. they were making about, you know, all the great things they were going to do for the people of Afghanistan. Mm. For me, that was the big disappointment was how... How easily they walked away from all those grand promises that they made to the actual people, you know, who were suffering on the mm. ground, the ordinary people of mm. Afghanistan, particularly women and girls, of course.
2: I can remember when Rudd was campaigning and he was saying, we should be out of Iraq, but if Afghanistan is a good war. We should be in that one. And he never explained why. Mm. I could never get it. But I, I have this distinct memory of him saying, Oh, Afghanistan's different. That's a good one. We we, you know, that's acceptable. We should be there.
0: And but don't you think if if you if you accepted that the reason for being there was to help the country, you know, drag itself out of the the the, the pits of that, feudalism and you that know, wasn't the reason tradition and religion. But that wasn't the reason. That wasn't the reason they went there. The, the
3: reason the, the reason the reason they originally went there was to was to take out. Osama bin Laden,
0: that's right, who mm. was being held,
3: who was being protected by Al Qaeda. That was the original reason for the invasion of Afghanistan. Mm. Now, like Trevor has just said, within six months, the Al Qaeda leadership were all no, the um, Taliban leadership were all incarcerated or dead, and the Al Qaeda leadership had been basically routed, except they they well, they fled, stuffed mm, up. Yeah. The Yanks, well, the Yanks didn't want to put ground troops in. The Yanks wanted to rely on air attacks and blah, 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 blah. And there was one operation where they had bombed the hell out of a whole range of caves and that sort of stuff. And had they have committed ground forces, they would have liquidated Osama bin Laden within that first six months. Instead, he got away, and it was until eight or nine years later that they finally got him. You know, it's ridiculous that you go in with this attitude that says we can rely on someone else to do the groundwork for us. That's not the case. What you've got to do is you've got to go in boots and all, you've got to go in, you've got to fix it, and then you've got to get out.
2: No they didn't fix, want to get out. Fixing in for these whatever countries, reason you, they you, wanted to stay. They wanted leave to stay a, there. You leave a power vacuum. And who fills it? Do you suspect well, Scott has missed his calling in
3: life? If you look at Afghanistan before the Soviet Union invaded it,
4: mm.
3: it was actually quite a modern progressive country. Mm. The Soviet Union invaded it. I can't remember what the reason was, but they did invade it and they were the ones that fucked it up because the Soviet Union went in. It- they got bogged down in a war that they couldn't win. Mm. And the result was that al-Qaeda and all those uh, mobs took over.
0: It had a nominally Marxist government for a while there, and I think the Soviet Union came in at his invitation because perhaps he was losing control or he needed their help to consolidate his position. But anyway, uh,
2: there was a Marxist government in power at the time. Anyway, we'd been there a long time, and it's cost us a lot of young there lives. Too long now. Yeah. So let's get yeah, out. have been
3: there for 18 years, so I think it is time to and I think it is time to draw a line under it and that sort of stuff.
2: Ironically, it's one of the things I'm that, very
3: glad my cousin doesn't listen to his podcast. It's,
2: it's one of the things that Trump sort of talks about as in America should be getting out of these places. It's the mm. one thing that I can agree with him on if he actually mm. follows through with with some of the talk that he, he comes out with. So mm. Yeah. But don't you feel a little bit
0: sad for the, the all all the ordinary Afghan people that are going to be let down, hugely let down, having had their hopes raised by, you know, these what we now know as empty promises, uh, you know, everyone's just going to walk away and say, oh, sorry, too hard. And it'll go back to a a bigger shithole than it is at the moment. For centuries,
2: you know, marauding groups have been coming into Afghanistan and having their noses punched and... These people have just rolled with the punches and gone, well, who is it this time? The Russians, okay. You'll be around for a while, but you'll leave. Yep. Uh, who is it this time? Americans. You'll be mm-hmm. around for a while, but you'll leave. All of our tribal uh, stuff will still happen. Like, mm. They're probably quite um, fatalistic about it and quite, um, quite I don't know, it wouldn't surprise me if they looked at it with that view and said, uh, you guys have no idea what you're doing here and you're going to create a mess and we're going to do our best to work around you until you're gone again. So, Yeah, that's probably that, true. But I don't think they would have had a lot of optimism about a, yeah, a paradise popping up. I, I,
0: I, I dare say you're right, but that mm. doesn't mean all the people living there like it as such and mm. and would not like to see change. Mm. I dare say a hell of a lot of ordinary Afghans would love to see mm. dramatic change in their mm. society.
2: Okay. Let's talk about evil China. So, Evil China, Yes, again. (laughs) That's easy. So, uh, Australia is talking about an inquiry into the the virus and its origins. And China, the the Chinese sort of... um, And it's bipartisan, did you notice? Or or diplomat, yes. So, both sides of parliament have said, we should have a bit of an inquiry to see how this virus started. Fair enough. And uh, China came out and... And made some comments. Yes. Yes. And what, how do you sum up those comments? I you thought it man? was
0: fantastic because mm-hmm. the Chinese, Chinese ambassador to Australia took his smiling mask off and revealed, you know, the true face of, of China's uh, engagement with countries like Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he basically scowled at us and said, don't you dare or you'll pay for it. Right. Basically, didn't he? He said, oh, well, the Chinese people might choose not to drink your wine, eat your beef, send their children here for education, might not want to come here to visit. How would you like that? You know, all that money that you're not going to get from us.
2: That's pretty much paraphrasing it. That's basically what he said. Have you seen, though, in Australia where we've said things like, uh, you've seen people saying, we shouldn't be buying stuff from the Chinese. Who says we that? should be boycotting chinese goods they 've started this virus we shouldn 't we shouldn 't be buying um, Chinese products in retaliation for starting the virus who
0: 's been saying that so,
2: social media
0: haven 't seen oh, social media yeah but saying th- things like that yeah but that 's not exactly this, on the same level as say you know government officials saying right. things like that and right. i haven 't heard anybody at that level, talking like that. Now, I think right. the Australian, both Marissa Payne, who mm-hmm. I thought conducted herself very mm-hmm. well on this issue, and, surprise, surprise, uh, Senator Wong mm-hmm. was actually uh, correct on this one, I thought, and mm-hmm. uh, supported the government line. So,
2: full marks, let me play devil's advocate okay. to you. And, and Scott <laughs> is, is really, at, at one level, his, his comments were strictly limited to Well, if you have an inquiry, the Chinese people may decide that they're angry and will not support your businesses. So he never said the the Chinese government is going to do anything. That's right. But what he said was if you really piss off Chinese people, they may decide we're not going to come here anymore. He assumed to speak on behalf of the ordinary Chinese consumer. Yeah, but at one level he's just saying... It's up to you guys, but if you want to act like pricks, then uh, you might find Chinese don't want to come. Yes, but you know, like that's fair. That could be seen. But the Australian government that could be seen as good advice. They weren't.
0: They weren't. I mean, he was acting as if the Australian government were insulting the Chinese people by asking for an inquiry about the, the actual origins and, you know, method of spread of
2: the virus. I'll, I'll quote him here. Who would have thought that would be a bad idea? I'll quote him here. He says, quote, it is up to the people to decide. Maybe the ordinary people would say, why should we drink Australian wine, eat Australian beef? So <laughs> he, it, might have been, it might have been just good advice to say you think- you're making a diplomatic error and you could be losing business. Now... Go ahead and do it if you want to, but just bear in mind that's the mistake you're potentially making. Like, that's one way of looking at it. Okay. Yep. Yep.
0: I, at the same time... But isn't it interesting how an unelected government, and they've never, ever been elected by the Chinese people, the Chinese Communist Party, an unelected government presumes to speak for the Chinese people. No, well, he didn't.
2: They're he's, not representatives. They're, he they're, said it's up to them to decide. They may do this. Like, he yeah, actually yeah. didn't speak for them. He said. Well, he, he sort of he, was. Well. Uh,
0: he was He was speaking as if he thought that he knew how they
2: might well respond. Well, we do it all the time where we say, look, I think Australians will respond yeah. in a certain way in, in response to this certain stimulus. suppose like, we do, don't Like, we? he's speaking and saying, well, I reckon Australians I reckon Chinese people might react in this way if you do this. Mm. So,
1: anyway, all right.
2: But um, so he was basically um, uh, threatening Australia with economic pain if it mm. pursues an inquiry. That's right. Um, and you're going to accuse doesn't, me?
3: Of- doesn't the Australian government hasn't the Australian government asked for an international inquiry? Oh yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just Australia versus China by any yeah. means. Yeah, no, it's sort of international. Yeah, it's a whole, I, yeah. I would assume, a group of countries, yeah. particularly countries like the United yeah. States, some of yeah. the Western European countries, maybe Japan, Korea, who knows. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So Wheat Watcher says that's one way to look at it, Trevor. The other is that it is a veiled threat. And indeed, it, I'm not saying it wasn't a veiled threat as well. Like, it was certainly oh, a veiled threat.
3: Of, of course. I think it was a veiled threat. But, yes, but, it was but, definitely a veiled threat.
2: Okay. Segueing into Malcolm Turnbull's autobiography. (laughs) Are we? Yes. So um, (laughs) in response to um, a recent podcast, one listener said that um, I was, was, well, it was Zach actually who alerted me to what is in Malcolm Turnbull's biography and this was in relation to Australia signing the Trans-Pacific Partnership.
4: Mm.
2: And... And Which China is not a part of, is it? No, we had just finished signing a a China Australia Free Trade Agreement okay. at the time. So the um, Americans wanted us to sign the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and in it they had some really nasty provisions to do with pharmaceuticals mm. and drugs. And Turnbull was saying, "No, we we can't sign with that. That's too far. Um, we have this great pharmaceutical benefits scheme." Mm and the Australian people aren't going to wear it, you can forget it. We're not signing a Trans-Pacific Partnership
0: that favours your
2: drug companies. Were
0: there veiled threats from the American Were
2: there veiled threats? Let me just read from the Malcolm Turnbull biography. (laughs) Our ambassador in Washington, Kim Beasley, reported to me on the 3rd of October that following my call with the President, Obama's National Security Council trade advisor was trying to elevate the issue to one of national security and was arguing that our standing our ground wouldn't just put the whole deal, namely the TPP, at risk, but also the alliance. We were warned that the atmospherics (laughs) with the Americans would likely be poisonous if talks collapsed. Peter Vargesi, Secretary of DFAT, Julie Andrew and I talked. We resolved that we would not be spooked by the US pressure and concluded the idea that Australia was standing in the way of the US rebalance in the Asia-Pacific was self-serving bunkum. The USA was trying to knock us off one by one on biologics, which was this drug stuff. And Australia was by no means the only TPP party that could not accept eight years. So I'm just making the point, yes, the Chinese made a veil threat. Yes, they exercising were exercising power. Guess what? Every big power does it. And in terms of exercising power, I thought they did it diplomatically and in a veiled threat and said, hey, we're not telling anybody what to do, but bear this in mind. And that is what big powers do, whether they are communist or capitalist, left or right, west or east, that's just what power does. Do you know so- what?
0: I think there's probably one exception. Yeah? It's not a big power. Yeah. It's a little power. Yeah. Finland, fin- Finland,
2: Finland wouldn't do a thing like that. <laughs> no, they they wouldn't. Oh, now you, now you're testing me. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I uh, um, there it oh. is. No, oh, no.
0: Finland, Finland,
2: Finland. There we go. I could get it. It Took a while. I need more warning next time. Sorry. <laughs> so, so there we go. Like, so in the same week that China has done this. And everybody is up in arms and saying that's a veiled threat from the Chinese. The very same week, Turnbull's book comes out and says we were threatened by the US mm. that our alliance was threatened. Yeah. And did any do we do we see the same um,
1: reaction
2: reaction in the public? And, and really,
0: well, I I seem to recall that w- during the negotiations there was some discussion in the mainstream media about you know what was. You know, at least some details of of the deal, and I think mm. the uh, you know the pharmaceutical benefit scheme did come up in
2: discussion. But we never knew that 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 the alliance no, was. threatened I don't recall having heard the Americans that that threatened the alliance. They
0: linked that to it. So anyway,
2: I just. There we
0: go. Well, it's good that we have you here, Trevor, to play different advocate. Provide
2: an even balance. That's right. Thank you. Hello in the chat room to everybody in there. Daniel, David, Toby, think- uh, Wheat Watcher, Dire Straits. Uh, who else is in there? I'll just scroll back up. Kobe is there. Um, Will and Dire Straits, I think, again. So thank you guys um, in the chat room. Keep commenting. I'll try and get to you. Sorry, Scott. Go ahead. I don't
3: think you should be letting either of the big part, big countries off the hook with this. No. The Yanks deserve our disdain for threatening the alliance, as, as well do the Chinese for making veiled threats. Now, the Chinese government has made a veiled threat. Now, as to whether or not the Chinese consumer is going to listen to the Chinese government, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it is a veiled threat that's come from China And I'm not convinced that they should be let off the hook for that. I I agree. The Yanks Yanks don't deserve to be let off the hook either. And, you know, the fact that Malcolm has actually said this, Mm. they should be using that at every opportunity to beat the desk. And then Mm. when the Yanks, when the the, uh, next time the uh, uh, Pine Gap installation comes up for negotiation, I think we should sit them down and say, now listen to us, Uncle Sam there'll be no more of this shit where you're going to threaten the alliance anymore.
2: We have to stand our ground against bullies. Absolutely. So and we have to stand our ground against the Chinese. to Malcolm and we have to, indeed, it. Indeed. And we have to stand our ground against the Americans and we have to recognise that big powers will try and exercise power over us and we have to say no if we don't want to Absolutely. and be brave enough exactly. to say no. I
3: agree wholeheartedly.
2: Hmm. So, uh, I
3: agree wholeheartedly.
2: Right. In other news, um, the app that has come out, which will um, record some data about who you've been with. If you've been within one and a half meters who you've of somebody, been near yeah. than who you've been with. Well, if in proximity to one
3: and a half, if you've been within one and a half meters of someone for more than 15 minutes, that also has the app, then it will record via Bluetooth negotiation between the phones who it was you were with.
0: I wonder what would that happen. is. it. If you had sustained actual body contact with someone for more than 15 minutes, would that sort of send alarm bells ringing?
2: No. (laughs) I don't think so. No. But here's my point. Um, I originally was not going to download the app, but I think I am now.
0: Yeah, I was a bit surprised when I realised that you were in favour of it because you complimented somebody for downloading it. I think didn't you?
2: Might have been Alison. Mm. So I, I think I've come around to downloading it. But mm. what are you guys? What's your opinion? Yeah, you're against it, Paul.
3: I've already. No, I've already downloaded it myself. Oh, have you
2: right. Okay. No, I haven't yes, downloaded I have. it. Right. Okay. I thought I've could- got a bit of an easy out now
0: because I've heard I have an Apple phone. I've heard Apple phones don't operate the app very well for some reason. I well,
3: that. uh, th- that's a. Problem with the Bluetooth and that sort of yeah. stuff just but I, in the
0: background. I am I am philosophically opposed to you know letting the government into my phone. I have to say.
2: Uh, okay, so is the can I just have your reason well, but you or only, reasons? You
3: only you are asked. You are,
2: go on. What what? So what is your reason or reasons?
0: My reason is because I'm a, a lover of liberty, and I like to think that the government doesn't have something on me okay, so all the time, you know, s- s- watching me or monitoring me or anything. Okay. And I know it's for a good reason yep. and a good purpose. I, I, I just see it as the thin edge of the wedge. Okay. Know, so if we're being consistent
2: in our living... In our- oh, you're
0: going to point out my inconsistencies. Oh, yeah, there.
2: I am, potentially. <laughs> what if I said to you, well, you've got location tracking happening on your phone already. Oh, of course. Which is perhaps even more... Knowledgeable about mm. where you've been yep. than what this app would be. Are you going to disengage that?
0: Whenever I come across it, I, I, I attempt to disable it. Whenever anything like that in my phone, right? If I get a choice, I disengage it. But I am aware that they can track you anyway because of the proximity of the various towers that your phone is communicating
2: in, in, with. Indeed. So the government, well. I can – I remember talking to – But the
0: government doesn't have access to that automatically. It can if it wants to, though. If it it has a a warrant of some sort, it can get access.
2: Yes. So um, I was talking to this policeman and he was uh, a detective talking about the early days of this. And he was watching this guy in an office – when mobile phones had first come out and they were trying to catch a baddie and mm. this baddie was calling them up at different times, sort of goading them a bit like the postcard bandit. <laughs> really? But yes. Wow. And um, and so on one of those phone calls, they managed to uh, triangulate where he was. Oh. He was in a traffic light at George Street, and Pitt Street him. in Sydney, and um, this guy had about six different phones on him with different detectives telling him where he where this guy could be. And sure enough, as they're talking, um, the police grab him by the shoulder and say, You're Nick's son. So that was one of the first <laughs> really? times it had been done. Wow. And um, so I take the view that if I'm to be consistent, I would turn off all tracking and I'm not about to. And then Why here's the um, because I can't be bothered. <laughs> number one, and because I use those features regularly like Google Maps and other Mm. things uh, regularly. Mm. And here's the thing, like uh, I had a few arguments here. Let me just run through them. So um, pros and cons. So in in favour of downloading the app would be it potentially saves lives by early and comprehensive warnings. Mm Mm-hmm. In somebody. Also, but is
0: it used for warning or just for tracing people?
2: Well, it's a warning in the sense they'd ring you mean. up and say, "Hey, you were in line at this shop last week for 15 mm. minutes, and the guy beside you, yeah. while you're waiting for a refund from JB Hi-Fi, mm. um, had coronavirus. You'd go yep. and get a check." So that's a warning. Go yep. and check yourself out. Potentially, then I don't bring it home and kill my mother. So, like, you know. In all seriousness, yep. like that's a distinct possible sure. thing. So, um, and I would, and, and somebody who's sort of arguing for it would say, well, it's got security safeguards and it's no worse than existing apps, right? Somebody who's against it would say that um, that it's not so much the app itself as the people who are behind it and agreeing to it sort of encourages state surveillance and... um. And that the saving lives argument is only a minor variation of the argument always put forward by governments, that we could all be safer if we gave up more rights, more freedoms, more privacy in the name of fighting crime, defending terrorism, stopping drugs. Anything that saves lives and makes the community safer. So... If that's your argument, then you would say, well, I think there should be facial recognition on CCTV because that could Mm -hmm. save lives because it will catch a baddies who might have gone out and done more bad things. So um, I think the app is different because say with the CCTV and facial recognition, you don't get to turn it off, but with an app, at any point you can say, I'm done with this and it's gone. Mm-hmm. So I think for me the crucial difference in this is it's something that I can control whereas a lot of these other intrusions into your privacy mm-hmm. where you agree the state can do all these things, you don't get to turn it off and say mm-hmm. enough's enough. So, um, so there you go. I think that's a good reason to download the app. I it's encourage probably, all Australians to do it's, so.
0: It's a good reason to be less alarmed about right.
2: it, Yeah, I think. Yeah, you can turn it off. Yeah. Wipe it off your phone. If
0: Look, if you, I yeah. ever do happen to test positive in the future, I'll reconsider my position. Right. Yeah. You know, if I had actually tested positive, I would probably say, yeah, I probably should do it just because, you know, I might be endangering other people.
2: Yeah. Karen in the chat room says, surely you only have to look at China and its authoritarian and social credit score to figure out why the 12th man doesn't like it. So in China we've discussed where uh, the social credit score runs off mobile phones and you can look down the street and identify people with a poor score.
0: Social surveillance is insane. Yeah. In the big
2: cities at least. Yes. So the difference is they can't turn it off. No. Yeah, they don't get a choice, and the, the government argument. doesn't
0: ask them either. Yeah, doesn't say please. That's right. They just do it.
2: Yes. So there we go. Right. Um, tell me in the chat room who's who is not downloading the app, and who is. Just uh, <laughs> Hugh's downloaded it. Daniel had uh, Daniel agrees with Karen. <laughs> um, interested to see who's for and who's against in the chat room. There's sixteen of you there. Let's get some answers. Um. Job keeper, this is um, like when you compare. When you just look at the numbers of what Australia is doing, it looks generous in terms of mm. um, welfare for um, for people who who's, you know they work for a business mm. that's it's uh, no longer trading. So yeah. the government is saying we'll give the business fifteen hundred dollars a fortnight, and the business will then pay its employees. Mm. But the problem is that it's in arrears. That's right. So a business has to pay. And it pay. didn't sound
0: like that when they announced it. It sounded like the government was, as you say, giving them the money and then they passed the money on to the employees. Yeah. But as
2: we now know, it you doesn't to, quite work the like businesses that. Businesses have to stump up with it. And, and food businesses, hospitality, they got big payrolls. Like, that's a lot of money to find when you have no income. That you've got to find and pay out and then wait for the check to come from the government. And they yeah. say, Oh, well, you know, you can borrow that money from the banks. We're making it easy to borrow. Well, no, that's a big risk. It's a when you know that the future's grim. Yeah. I, I just think there, if you
0: were running a small business, I wouldn't, you wouldn't do it, no. would
2: you? You wouldn't if, want to go further into hock only in really small businesses, mum and dad with one or two employees, um, that, um, uh. That you would do it but some of these big businesses where you've got a substantial payroll you couldn't do it Mm. so uh, i think a lot of people won't end up on job keeper and they'll end up on job seeker so scott any thoughts on that one is it not as attractive as it seemed at first blush well
3: it's not as attractive as it seemed i don't think there's any doubt about that it's um it's better than nothing but you are right you We are asking businesses to extend themselves in paying these people out. And then you could end up with this situation where it's been passed and it's been made law and blah, 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 blah. So people are – the government will pay it. But it's not uh, guaranteed because it's coming in via your business activity statement, Mm. which means that it's not actually a cash payment to you. It is a reduction of the debt that you Oh, the government. Oh, really?
0: So, It's yeah. just a credit, not a cash payment as such. That's
3: right. That's right.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm.
3: So it comes off your PAYG, which is deducted. You know, the PAYG that's deducted from your employees' salaries every week, fortnight or month, that's what's reduced by the JobKeeper payment. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We've
2: chosen a different method to the UK. So in the UK, they've got a generous scheme, but the government is paying directly to individuals and it's not going through businesses. So... Seems to me that's a better idea. Which
3: should
2: probably be... Matthias Corman said, oh, we do things differently in Australia. We're we're going to do things the way we need to do them. But I think that's proven to be a fatal flaw in the scheme of things.
0: If they wanted people to have... The cash in their pockets, so that they could spend it. Wouldn't it be better just to pay direct to the individual?
2: Yeah, yeah. So because they can be do it, so? just but, like but,
0: they know, do. The ATO pays your, but what your the,
2: tax refund or whatever. Yeah. They can do it just as easily. Yeah, I don't know. See, one of it's it's uh, administratively simpler to give it to employees and mm. say, "You guys work it out and you distribute." And you oh, two employers. Yeah. Mm. And you just send us a BAS statement with a summary of what you've done rather than us have to do all the hard yards. Mm, so, but I think that's why they did it. But I think it's then become ineffective mm. the way they've done it. Mm. So, or they should have at least done it uh, not in arrears and, and in advance, if anything. No. So, hmm. Right. Um, well, what they could have done is they could have actually they could have actually said to your employer
3: that you can reduce what you're paying your wages, you can reduce what you're paying your staff by fifteen hundred dollars a fortnight, because the government's going to stump that up. Hmm. And then if someone does get laid off, then they're still going to have fifteen hundred dollars a fortnight for the duration of this coronavirus.
2: Yeah.
0: It is the six month uh, limit on this program, of course. I it, believe it's so. Not yeah.
2: Mm. Okay, thank you in the chat room for all your comments about who's doing what and your reasons. Uh, some good stuff happening there. Um, right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Josh Frydenberg has said that, um, that he's looking at tax reform and he says our company tax rate is still very high by international standards and he's looking, oh, to, he's looking, to, he's looking to drop the company tax rate. Dear listener, here's the thing. Where he says our top rate is $0.30 cents in the dollar, whereas if you go to the US, it's $0.21 cents in the dollar. In the UK, it's $0.19 cents in the dollar. In Singapore, it's $0.17 cents in the dollar. Two things. US, $0.21 cents in the dollar. Would you want to be living in America today? Question one. Question two is <laughs> these these company tax rates, you can't look in isolation. You have to look at a whole range of state taxes, payroll taxes, sales taxes, all sorts of other taxes, and then ask yourself, what do they all add up to in terms of tax on business? And what you do find is that amongst the OECD countries, Australia is right smack bang in the middle. We couldn't be more in the middle if we tried. So Mm. just looking at the straight-up corporate tax rate, is not how you look at an so sh- tax burden. Should we
0: trying to be in the higher range or the lower range or do you think we should be what, in the middle?
2: Whatever choice people want to depending on their political persuasion, but the mm. point is it's wrong to say that we're high taxing compared to some countries oh, see, when yeah. when in fact when you add up all the other taxes that companies are faced with <laughs> we may not be. You just so, can't look at the corporate tax rate. There's a whole range of state and local uh, payroll and sales taxes that get involved in it. So,
0: so for Frydenberg, anything above the uh, bottom right. is high. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and we're therefore uncompetitive. Oh, you know, well, look at Singapore. What did you say? It was 17, 17 cents. Ooh. Commonwealth Bank, National Australia Bank, You're not. they're not going to Singapore. They can't up and leave and go. And if they could. No, they can't. If a company could, they've already gone. Like they've already gone, Indeed. so it's a race to the bottom. If you are going to start setting your tax rates based on what other people are doing, um, anyway, that's that.
3: What's actually necessary? What, what's actually necessary is for the Western governments to sit down and frame a reasonable tax rate and apply it across their whole countries, so that we can stop this stop. bloody nonsense of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where they're shopping for the lowest tax rate. You know, you've got this garbage that you've got, Ireland's got a low tax rate, so you end up paying profits that Apple generates in Australia tax get paid shopping. over to Ireland. Exactly.
2: But yeah. we can't even do that in Australia amongst the states because we had, I can remember when Virgin set up its headquarters in Queensland mm. and there was a bidding war going yes. on by the different states as to how much... Mm. Um, Credits they were, credits they were, going, to they were going to
0: give to Virgin to, to Virgin make
2: that in, state their home. In, in terms of, I think, straight out handouts mm-hmm. and also um, um, special exemptions from different levies and taxes that the state levies. So even amongst Australian states, Scott, we can't reach agreement on that. I know that. That
3: was BD was at the time. Yeah. But, you know, it's just it's one of those things that's a pie in the sky hopeless bloody dream but we are dreamers because we run a podcast (laughs) (laughs) yes dreamers with no responsibility it would be preferable if you could get them all together to exactly if you could get them all if you could get them all to sit down and work it out then you'd probably be able to do away with all this garbage and i honestly believe and i've said this numerous times before so i apologize to the dear listener we've got to give the tax office a decent set of teeth when it comes to transfer pricing because it is absolutely mm. ridiculous right now that Apple makes however much money in Australia but pays very little income tax. Yep. And if you look at what they've done, they have transferred most of their profits offshore to yep. Ireland, Singapore, and then back home to America.
2: That's right. Here's the thing, though. Like, with the shock doctrine, when when there's a shock to the system, in the past, the... Neoliberal elements have introduced neoliberal ideas, so they've they've lowered taxes and to stimulate growth and all sorts of things. and And we are seeing now a clear situation where more money is uh, needed, and and people are really in a mood where they're recognising these companies are just falling over, and we, the community, are supporting them. Like this is the time when. You could put forward ideas like that, but we don't hear anything from the left. There's no, yeah. there's no operation by the left to take advantage of this moment and say, well, we want some more leftish policies, thanks. Which part of the left would you well, expect that to come from? Well, you would have hoped the Labor Party they're not
3: really. Well, there. you are starting to. You are In, thank starting you. To you
2: see you're it. right. <laughs> you are dead right. You
3: are starting to. The Greens, mate. The Greens,
2: who, with whom you agree no, with he- more than any other party on on on, <laughs> on Vote Catcher or whatever it's called. Yes, that party, Paul. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that one. Sorry, Scott. What were you saying? Sorry.
3: Well, I was just saying that there has been some movement by the shadow treasurer whose name just escapes me. Jim Chalmers, is it?
2: Could be. Something on like that. Sounds like yeah. it. Yeah. Mm.
0: Jim Chalmers? As he's, as um, as he...
3: he's the bloke that was educated. And he, he has actually started to say some stuff that reminds the Liberal Party that uh, they weren't very bipartisan when Rudd was taken on the GFC. And he's also said that we've got to have a conversation about what sort of country we want post-COVID-19. Mm. If that sort of conversation can get started, and if we can start telling the churches and everything else that they can go and get fucked, Mm -hmm. then we might actually have a chance of building something decent after this.
2: Just briefly, I'll divert to the churches uh, because Cardinal Pell was interviewed post his acquittal.
3: Jesus Christ. And he was asked,
2: asked, does the ABC's role in your persecution concern you? This is from Andrew Bolt. And his response was, yes, it does, because, I mean, it's partly financed by Catholic taxes. The ABC. Catholic taxes. So, so Cardinal Pell is complaining about the treatment he got from the ABC because it's
0: partly funded by Catholic taxes. The words Catholic and taxes don't go together. They don't fit together because they don't pay taxes, except for the average you know, Catholic worker. But yep. in terms of the Catholics, Indeed. they don't pay tax.
2: Indeed, yep. Hey, um, it's really hard to work out the truth out there, isn't it? So there was a little... Um, a little bit on our messenger group with Was uh, this afternoon, where he was querying a Belgium's death rate per, which is quite high, 000, which it? was quite high, mm-hmm. and he was going, well, "What's going on here?" Yeah. I'm trying to work it out, and, the way they count. And I came across uh, an article which um, which basically said that um, uh, in Belgium. Uh, they count deaths at nursing homes even if there was not a confirmed infection. So they just say, I died in a nursing home, COVID-19. Yeah.
0: Really? So, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. And you have to ask, why
2: would they do that? Bloody hell. But then, you know, it's um, it's unlike other countries. So when you're looking at these statistics and these graphs, comparing countries, you really have to ask yourself, how are they counting them? Like it's so hard to find the truth.
0: Is it um, only Belgium that does that? Is well,
2: it? it just said unlike many other countries yeah. and there's a link there. So maybe there are some that do and some mm. that don't. But, um, but when you're looking at these graphs uh, and you think, oh, well, how many deaths? Well, let's make it fair, deaths per 100,000 in the population, uh, that'll even things out. But then if they're counting them completely differently, then you've got no chance. And I came across, maybe was came across it, about New York, where um, so what they've said is since the start of the coronavirus outbreak in March, um, 27,000 New Yorkers have died, which is 20,900 more than would usually have died in the same period at the same time of year. Oh, okay. And as of Sunday... They had attributed sixteen thousand six hundred and seventy-three deaths to the coronavirus, so that basically leaves about four thousand extra deaths unaccounted for. Yes. So, um, so it's on the face of it, New York probably has been underreporting its um, COVID nineteen deaths because the sums don't add up. There's 4,200 people whose deaths have not been captured Uh, and you could only assume, the most likely assumption is that they were deaths by coronavirus. There we go. So, yes, so when you see statistics and graphs, um, bear in mind that there are lies, damn lies and statistics. (laughs) Indeed. Mm.
0: And they'll probably be analysing these numbers for... Years after
2: all this is yep. passed, yeah, it's going to keep statisticians um, keep well a paid. Job. That's right. Well, I was yeah. talking
3: to the better half tonight, and he said that, um, and I've been reading this too and listening to it on CoronaCast every day. You've got this situation that they are finding that this disease causes more and more problems other than just the lungs. It goes into the liver, the kidneys, the brain, all that sort of shit. Mm. This is going to linger for a good couple of decades Hmm. before those who were infected end up dropping off the perch. Hmm. It's a very cruel disease.
2: Yeah. The other thing is, it's really hard to make up a vaccine. Like, we may not get a vaccine for this. Exactly. Indeed. Indeed. It's it's not That's just something possibility. that you can just knock up a vaccine. Like it's not just, no. it's not easily done, and it's not assured that we will actually have one. Oh, really? Well, in, I
3: wasn't
0: aware of
2: that. I, no. I knew
0: it would probably take
2: a it's while. Not a sh- it's,
3: it's not even a. Sh- it's
0: not even
3: assured. It's not even assured that if you get a vaccine, that it's going to create the right sort of antibodies and that sort of thing oh, too. Really, hmm.
2: it's
3: it's a really difficult process
2: to get a vaccine, and and you have to be extremely careful because. Unlike things where people have a disease and you're trying to find a cure and if it's terminal, you're kind of willing to try anything, mm-hmm. where you've got healthy people, people or kids and you are going to inject them with something, you've got to be really sure that you're mm. not going to make more of a mess than yes. what you started with. Indeed. So, yeah. Hey, in the chat room is Loriana Lucioni. Loriana was the yes, lady who did, our, um, who did our talk on universal um, basic income. Indeed, Good she. on you, Loriana. Good to see. So she makes the point that in poor countries, um, very difficult without the infrastructure in place to keep track of uh, coronavirus deaths.
0: And, in fact, in poor countries, sometimes mm. they do the trials for these things, don't they? Because they can get... They pay people to become human guinea pigs, don't they?
2: I don't know
0: about that. But mm. Anyway. I know they have done in the past. I don't know if they still do that.
2: Mm. Okay. Oh, actually, and Kobe says the Italian Minister of Health said, quote, the way in which we code deaths in our country is very generous in the sense that all the people who die in hospitals with the coronavirus are deemed to be dying of the coronavirus. Okay, so you might have... So they might have a, a mild inflated number as well. case of coronavirus but have a heart attack that mm. you've got anyway, perhaps. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, lies, damn lies in statistics. Um, uh, incorrectly attributed to Mark Twain, but um, sort of origin... Unknown for that one. Okay. Flu tracker. I hope everybody signed up. Did you sign up for flu tracker? I did. Good. I don't get the flu. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I. it's very easy. Go on, dear listener, and uh, flu tracker, and you sign up. They send you a, a, an email every Monday morning, and it literally takes 30 seconds. So what do you do? What information do they ask? you do, you have symptoms, a cough, a runny nose, um, blah, blah, and... And in my case, no, 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 no. Uh, have you had a flu injection? Yes. And then click and send. And then they show you the graph. And at the moment, the um, symptoms, people in Australia with symptoms of flu-like symptoms are 0.25% roughly, whereas normally at this time of year, it's around uh, one75 So. Oh. Because we're experiencing all this social distancing, yes, and uh, just normal staying at home flu so is we're really not low. picking mm. up these other bugs. Yeah. And I sell stuff to <laughs> nursing homes mm. and some of them are really quiet because they've all not, died? No no. People are not dying. So normally as you come into the flu season, elderly people in nursing homes will be dying of the so, flu. And so are they noisy dyers, are they? No, no, what do you mean? That's quiet. It's quiet, what it's quiet as in, it's not many people dying. Like the nurse, the, the funeral homes Which are not is why busy. Why I asked? Do they make a lot of noise yeah, yeah, no, when they die? Quiet, as in, they're not busy. So, <laughs> oh, I see. So, yeah. um, so yeah, think. So, what's normally a very steady, reliable sort of pattern of is death. actually down a little bit because. People aren't dying so much because there's not so much of the flu around. Oh, that's there's, interesting. There's my theory for you. Yeah. So, but coronavirus is
0: sort of taking up the slack a bit, isn't it? Um, well, not really
2: compared to. No, isn't I don't it think it is picking up those who would have normally no, died of the regular th- flu. No, I don't think so. Okay. No. Hey, Loriana says, "Thank you guys for mentioning UBI. Can't reveal too much, but we're organising hmm, something might be on the cards there." So maybe Loriana will have to, we'll have to get it back on and talk about what um, Stephen Hale said about UBI. Stephen Hale? He was the uh, modern monetary uh, theorist who, oh. who um, had issues, a very left-wing sort of economist, but he had issues with universal basic income. Oh, okay. so, he didn't
3: like the idea of UBI. He, yeah. He, yeah.
2: He,
3: he wanted a federal guarantee work. Yeah. But he didn't like the idea of a universal
2: basic income. Yeah. So, Loriana, have a chat to him as well. Right. Um, let me see. 12th man, you're a big one for freedom of speech. Absolutely. Right. Chef Pete Evans, uh, he was big on um, paleo diet stuff years Is ago. Yeah. Known as a bit of a wacky guy with some wacky theories. And. The Therapeutic Goods Administration announced an investigation into a device that was being spruced by celebrity chef Pete Evans as yeah. a treatment for the coronavirus. It was a device uh, worth $14,990. Mm. Uh, and Evans, in an Instagram video since taken down, discusses the Biocharger NG, a hybrid subtle energy revitalization platform mm which claims to optimise and improve potential health, wellness and athletic performance. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Uh, It's listed under the Lifestyle, Lifestyle Products section of Evan's website and claims to replicate light frequencies, harmonics, pulsed electromagnetic fields and voltage that are found in nature. Indeed. And he said he used the device most days, claimed it could help with the coronavirus. So he ended up, being fined, well, A, 12th man, should somebody be allowed to speak in such a way? Does freedom of speech mean that a guy like that should be able to say those things on the internet? Absolutely. Right.
0: If a guy like that, when you say a guy like that, any any person Mm -hmm. should be allowed to express their sincere opinion about anything, shouldn't they?
2: Not if it's going to lead to if, not if it's going to lead to death and injury.
0: Do we know it's going to lead to death and injury? If, if we suspect oh, guys, that
2: it could. Of course There's a
0: voice is. in my head.
2: Right. Scott, chime in. <laughs> you think he should <laughs> it, not be allowed to?
0: It, he should not
3: be allowed to say that sort of nonsense because this guy is selling something. It's where is it? Uh, listed on his website it's for sale for him it's a profit that's driving him to say this nonsense and he's actually claiming it is a cure for yes. covid-19 it's not a cure for covid-19 oh. the man is just trying to rip people off and he should be held accountable for it
0: i don't think he's doing anything worse than what religious people do you know every time they get up in the pulpit
3: I agree I, with you. That, I, that's no problem at all. But you Not know, only religion, that, but I've become,
0: yeah, sorry, Scott, to talk over you. I've become aware <laughs> so since, right. since we've been in isolation. I've noticed in my Facebook feed uh, an amazing volume of, you know, not only religious mumbo-jumbo, but, you know, these sort of new agey sort of stuff, you know, people who've got, you know, the answer to all your problems and your... You've got new you know,
2: age friends on your Facebook feed?
0: No. Right. <laughs> not that I'm aware of, but somehow they get into my feed and I'm like, where did this crap come from? But a hell of a lot. And, you know, people, you know, people sell all kinds of shonky stuff and and no worse than Pete Evans, I have to say. Okay. And, and yet nobody's jumping up and down about them and they're out there and there's... Thousands of them, you know. Right,
2: okay. So Can, why
0: why just Pete Evans? Uh, okay. Well, it's
2: it's a topic of the day. So you're calling for consistency is yes. what you're saying. If you're going to do that for Pete Evans. Well, I,
0: I don't think any of them should be censored as such.
2: Well, then you're not calling. Okay, so your consistency with a view that they should not be, none of no, them should be. but I think. But, but should, you, should he be fined?
0: No, but he should be challenged but, but to is, produce evidence for his
2: fancy device. What if you. But he's, so he shouldn't even be fined because it. No. it subsequently turns out he's been fined $25,200 that much? for the false claims. Wow. So you think that's not right? I don't you
0: because, be- you know, people people claim every, every week, probably every day, some of them, that if you, you know, uh, commit your life to a certain sky fairy, you're going to get Eternal life, for goodness sake, not just a cure for COVID-19. You're going to live forever in some kind of storybook paradise. Can you I, know, why don't they get fined?
2: Okay. If if somebody produces a faulty toaster that burns a house down, mm-hmm. should they be fined?
0: Um, the man, Yeah, the manufacturer, the distributor, I suppose, um, should be hell to account.
2: In we don't some know it's going to hurt somebody. The faulty toaster? Yeah, we, we, we don't know, but it's there's a chance that it could. So you know, it might just uh, blow up and fizzle out, but it might also it burn, might house burn someone's house down. So yes. we can't be sure, but That's should right. we fine somebody for a faulty toaster?
0: Well, a faulty toaster is a definite uh, health hazard, absolutely.
2: Well, people would argue Pete Evans is a health hazard.
0: Well, I, I think statistically <clears throat> you'd you'd be hard-pressed to to get, you know, the number of fingers on one hand of victims of a device like well, that. Well,
2: what about anti-vaxxers? So we hear stories about people who believe what mm. anti-vaxxers say and their kids end up with a serious disease sure. that causes, if not death, mm-hmm. a serious impairment. So, um, Absolutely. Um what about anti-vaxxers who we know could genuinely, uh, uh, a, high, a high probability that yes. someone will be seriously ill Agreed. or die. Should Agreed. We, should we ban anti-vaxxers from promoting their beliefs?
0: No, I still think they should be allowed to express their beliefs uh, because it has to be, free speech only works if it's free for everybody. It you can't pick and choose who free speech is for. And inevitably you're going to hear things you don't like. That's just the price you pay to have the wonderful benefits of free speech, which are numerous.
2: There you have it out there. For those of you new to the podcast who <laughs> haven't heard the libertarian views of, of the Twelfth Man. It's men, got it's
0: nothing rich- to do with libertarianism. It's to do with freedom, it's to do with democracy, it's to do with social progress, intellectual uh, expansion, you know, all the all the benefits that come from people being able to. Uh, honestly express a sincerely held belief or opinion. Mm.
2: I've got here um, a survey from Pew Research. Uh, three in ten Americans believe COVID-19 was created in a lab. Who cares what that I mean, that's just public opinion. Yeah, I'm just saying it's just a matter of interest <laughs> that if you walk down the street in America, three out of ten would think it was created in a lab. Mm. And I, it doesn't say, but I guess they're... If you ask them where was the lab located, they would say Wuhan of in course. China. So three in ten <laughs> exactly. Americans yeah. think that um, China has created a, intentionally created this virus mm. in the lab, and
0: probably three That's, in ten Chinese now believe uh, it was imported by the American military, right? And planted in Wuhan,
2: right? I got a um, an article sent to me by one of my. One of my right-wing friends. You've got these left-wing friends who send you stuff? I had a right-wing friend I am send me left-wing. Stuff. What do you mean you, I've you, got left-wing friends? Yeah, yeah. and um, let me just find it here. Um, oh, I'm centrist anyway. Yeah. Centre-left. I've got it under a little heading of uh, fucking fake news. So here we go. So there's a story going around of that Japan, Japan's Nobel, Nobel Prize winning professor of medicine, Professor Dr. Tasuku Honjo, Where is it? Uh, It's not in the list. was new. Created a sensation today by saying that coronavirus is not natural. So there's a guy who who does exist Mm -hmm. and he is a Nobel Prize winning professor of medicine and basically quotes him as saying, it's obviously a man-made virus, um, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I got sent that by a friend Mm -hmm. and I thought, yeah, the way this is talking, and I haven't heard this anywhere else, this just smells fishy. So quick Google search on some sort of fact-checking websites. Dear listener, I want to tell you about Snopes. Have you ever heard of Snopes? Mm -hmm.
3: It's a very good website. I've
2: Mm. checked it
3: out a lot of times.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So if you get something um, in your inbox or your Facebook feed and you think that looks a bit dodgy, I don't know if that's true, uh, go to Snopes and run a search on there and – they often are able to, um, basically, call out things that are bunkum. You they, seem sceptical. They actually fact check. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and they provide their reasons as to why. So, for example, with this one, one of the claims was that this doctor had worked for four years in the Wuhan laboratory in China, but when you look at his CV in uh, at the university that he works in, in Japan. It says he's worked there full time for the last X number of years, mm. so he wasn't working in Wuhan at all. A bunch of other things um, that they give you the reasons mm. why you would say. Um, so there you go. Free speech is working. Well, because not everybody does it though, yeah. and even really smart, intelligent people can be hoodwinked by these things. And and it was can. shared ten thousand times, and three in ten Americans think that China has created mm-hmm. this virus when the scientific evidence is no, uh, if it was synthetically created, there would be markers that would, would clearly indicate that and that's not the case here. So, so what we've got is a build-up of hatred against China on top of all the other reasons why people don't like China that is false and it's dangerous.
3: I uh, think these things are dangerous. Look...
0: Free speech doesn't make people smart, Trevor. Mm. It just gives them the opportunity to know things that they wouldn't have otherwise known. Okay. <laughs> you know? It's, yep.
2: Still on free speech. We're not
0: all geniuses in this world. Still on free speech. But we, you know, hopefully help each other along, yep. you know, when we this come is- up, up against information that we don't understand or don't know how to interpret. We tune into the... Podcast, The Iron Fist and The Velvet Glove and get get the truth
2: on the matter. <laughs> Here's another one for you, dear listener. Um, let me just see here. What is that short for? Um, the Executive Council of Australian Jewry, uh, Jews, has called for yeah. uh, various editions of Adolf Hitler's manifesto, Mein Kampf, mm. to be uh, removed from Dimmick's bookshops. Mm. What do you think of, man? <laughs> They're dreaming, right?
0: Why should why shouldn't it be available for people to read? For goodness' sake, we all know what it is, what it's about. You know who wrote it, why he wrote it. For goodness' sake, mm-hmm. it's not going to kill anyone.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, this guy um, from the Jewish organisation said there's about 60 separate editions of it on sale at the beginning of the month,
4: mm.
2: and he attached a document. Prepared by the Jewish Community Council of Victoria, revealing that only six of the 60 editions contained commentaries written by recognised scholars and academics.
0: Recognised by who? Mm. By the Council of Jury, where mm. he belongs to probably. But uh, look, you know, he doesn't get, you know, Jewish people don't get to choose what edition of Mein Kampf that mm-hmm. we read.
2: Some of the editions seem to really glorify The Nazi ideology and almost promote white supremacism, anti-Semitism and other racist ideologies in the sort of commentary uh, and analysis section of it. So I'm okay with Mein Kampf being reproduced. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure where there's an incitement to racism and and hatred. It's it's in, in the text. It's built into no, the No, but this text. is in addition to the text. Oh, so this is in myth, commentary. This is, this is, this These are additional the, the, commentary. Yes. Particular editions where. Which incite hatred of Jewish people. Yeah. And promote. Um,
0: well, for goodness sake, the Quran does that. Yes. And that hasn't been banned. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe know? it should be. Maybe the Bible should be banned. Yes. If, you know, if we're going to be consistent. Yes. Yep. Because in the Bible there were commands to, you know, commit uh, genocide, weren't Mm. there?
2: Mm. Let me try and think. So I was really dead set against Pete Evans promoting fanciful ideas that could be harmful to people. Um, Well, actually, probably with his machine, he was never going to harm somebody because... Uh, it's all well, unless they actually hook themselves up to his machine instead of going and getting proper medical advice at a hospital, that yeah. that would be the only reason somebody could be hurt. It's probably more likely they're just going to be hurt in the hip pocket. Yeah. Mm. Tricky one, some of these. It's a hazy line, Scott. So, 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 you, you, don't, so you don't want yeah, two of actually
3: fight? he's actually made. I do. He's actually made. He's made. He. He has made some sales of this unit,
0: hasn't
2: he? Mm. That's what he's in business yeah, for. I, you should be fined for selling shonky products or services. You should be fined.
0: But where do you draw the line, for goodness sake? You know, we still drive around motor vehicles and they mm. kill more people than
2: Pete Evans' machine is ever going to kill. Yeah, well, you know what you're going to get. Well, you know what you're
0: going to get with Pete Evans' machine. Mm. Absolutely.
2: Sweet. In the chat room, Martin Featherstone says, book burning, what could go wrong? Yes. <laughs> it, Good point. <laughs> well, you know, if there's a flyer or a book handed out in the Queen Street Mall that says, hey, everybody, gather together down at, um, at Broadbeach because we're going to bash up the Lebanese guys who are there. Um, That's direct incitement. Indeed. So there is a point where you can say, stop that publication. So it's you really have to look at the wording and how mm. how much it is an incitement of violence, and then say no, that's gone too far. I think
0: even mm. us mm. free speech advocates
2: yes. agree that direct it, yep. incitement to violence is mm. unacceptable. Yes, yes, because and that's what was happening to some extent with the uh, in Sydney with Cronulla Beach and stuff. So yes, indeed. Right. Okay. Um, How are we going for time? What are we up to? We're Uh, up to
0: 8.38.
2: About an hour and seven. Okay. Have you guys heard of Dr. Jareth Cock? So... This afternoon. mm, So five years ago, abortion became legal in Victoria, Australia. Uh, Allows people to undergo the procedure without compelling doctors to perform it. Medical professionals who are morally opposed to abortion may refuse... Um, they are obligated under the law to advise women where to go instead and the answer can't be uh, go to hell. The patient <laughs> has to be referred to another doctor, <laughs> one who can help her. So in this environment we've got a guy um, called uh, Dr. Jareth Cock who is a medical practitioner and um, let me just see here. He, on some social media outlets, said things like, I get a request for abortion referral about once every three or four months. I tell the women politely that it is against my moral principles to advise on this issue, and they need to find someone else to help them. In a few instances, I have attempted to talk them out of it. Yes, I'm breaking Victoria's new abortion laws, but I don't give a stuff. I'm not going to soil my conscience by being complicit in the slaughter of children. And... Another Facebook commentator reminded Cock of the dangers of back alley abortions and the doctor gleefully ran with it, saying that if a woman dies in a quack abortionist's table, quote, that's exactly what she deserved for trying to kill her own child. Wow. He who lives by the sword shall perish by the sword. Um, Except they don't
0: use swords for Performing well, operations. he said
2: there, if I have a three-month-old baby, if someone snuck in his room with a knife and tried to kill him but accidentally slipped over and stabbed themselves through the heart, that would what? be exactly what they deserve. Wow. So pretty tough stuff. Nasty um, piece of work, isn't he? Yes. So um, what uh, – now, he's been – I think he's been deregistered. It's – I think – or sorry. at least they tried. The medical board was trying to um, deregister him. Um uh, yes, the Medical Suspended. Board of Australia stripped Dr. Jareth Cock of his right to practice medicine, um, which this month and it, they upheld the suspension. So I don't know for how long it goes on.
0: So what were the and, grounds for endorse, to endorse or call for violence and or genocide towards
2: racial and religious groups? Um, how does that fit? Um, well... Uh Medical Board of Australia stripped Dr Jareth Koch of his right to practice medicine after he appeared to, quote, endorse or call for violence. Um, Did he call for
0: violence or endorse violence?
2: Uh, um, and or genocide towards racial or religious groups. Maybe there were some other things he said. I don't know. But this mm. is one where the Rational Society have said, See this guy, this Dr. Jareth Koch, see the way he's making these nasty comments? That's why we don't want a religious discrimination bill. Mm. Because a religious discrimination bill will give guys like this an open slather legal to grounds the, to discriminate. To say, well, to say nasty things, basically. And I think it's a risky argument for the rationalists and the atheists and the Don't Divide Us campaign to To sort of take this issue as a key one, mm. I don't think the general public is going to necessarily come along with this. I think they're going to say, "Freedom of speech. If somebody hears that and is still stupid enough to want to go and see Dr. Cock, then let him." Like, uh,
0: I tend t- to agree, t- agree. T- that he should be able to say whatever he wants to say, I- and people should be free to choose not to choose him as
2: their. Doctor, yeah. surely. I think it's not a good one to choose as a, mm. as, a, a, as a thing to run with. And they got some traction in The Australian, I think, where um, they got some quotes about it. So I just say be careful, uh, don't divide us campaign. Mm. You should be concentrating on the aspects of the Religious Discrimination Bill that make it really easy for religious groups to hire and fire based on religion. Mm-hmm. Employment discrimination that's is right. what Australians will say, that's not fair. I don't want a gay math teacher sacked. A volunteer at a Red Cross op shop should not be sacked for being the wrong religion. A, a nurse or a carer or a cleaner in a nursing home should not be sacked for being the wrong religion. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that Australians are going to say, that's not on. That bill yeah. is not on. And if you, but if you concentrate on free speech, you're going to have a lot of people saying, oh, I'm not so sure about that. If that's what the bill says, oh, I'm okay with it. You're wasting mm-hmm. your energy. you Nail it down. Actually, well, I'll play a little bit of um, I wouldn't want to debate Martin Isles on this. It would be a little bit tricky. It would be a little bit uncomfortable. So let me, let me play a little bit of what he had to say.
1: All right. Now I'm dealing with the case of a doctor, a Victorian general practitioner, Dr. Jareth Cock, a Christian man, who on the 22nd of August 2019 uh, was uh, suspended from practice, and he's not seen his patients since. So that's been eight months. You know, about a week ago, he lost an appeal against that with VCAT, the Victorian Civil and Administrative Appeals Tribunal, and it was an appeal to save his medical registration and his career. The board and VCAT claimed that the action was, quote, in the public interest. That was the basis for them taking this action against him. They noted further that there was no evidence that Jareth had compromised any patient's best interests in practice. They actually noted that he had excellent character references and they also noted that his conduct was in no way criminal or illegal. So here's the question, what on earth has happened? What's he done? Well, using its investigative powers, the board had paid forensic experts to compile a dossier on Jareth's social media activity and internet history over a period of more than a decade. Jareth was a vigorous participant in political debate and social commentary. His views would be characterised as conservative, his tone would be characterised as strong, Uh, He wrote concerning many matters, including areas relevant to medical practice, like abortion, transgenderism, particularly in relation to, to the affirmative treatment model in children, LGBT matters and the usual, you know, hot button controversies that we're all aware of. The board said that his posts were arguably denigrating on a simple reading of them, appearing to express certain views when read in isolation and that they would arguably demean LGBTI people, arguably denigrate other practitioners like abortionists, arguably incite violence. They said patients may see them and reconsider their relationship with Jareth. They said that they were concerned about the level of respect he can bring to members of the medical profession. They said that the community may not be able to accept that he can provide respectful care. This, despite the fact that Jareth could agree to remove posts and be careful about his tone in the future and was prepared to do so.
2: He goes on. But anyway, yeah. I wrote to Martin Hiles and yeah. said, do you want to come on do a debate? We'll get somebody from the rationalists. And, um, and they knocked me back and said no. But Martin Iles knocked you back. Mm, well, his spokesperson did then. <laughs> so, but it would have been That's great blow, because I, I actually it? think it would have been a tough one. I was, I was ready to get Hugh Harris on again and <laughs> yeah. speak for the Rational And or was Hugh willing to take him oh, on? Hugh will debate anybody. So. <laughs> Good on you, Hugh. <laughs> so, um, uh, so anyway, Martin, if you're listening uh, out of curiosity, um, we'll give you a fair go. I think you've got a half-decent argument there on this I one. I think he so, has too, um, to be honest. Yeah. It's,
0: uh, it's, and, I think think the, yeah, I, I agree with you, Trevor. I think the rationalist society is. Well, there's, there's all of them. It's all fight
2: a, over the wrong guy. There's a whole sort of group of mm. uh, secular, atheist, rationalist groups, mm-hmm. humanist groups who are all together on this. And i yeah. just saying, pick, this, that's not your strongest argument. No, Concentrate on other things. At this point, I just want to thank some of. Our recent patrons uh, who have come on board via Patreon in the months of March and April would be David Cox, Shane Ingram, Craig Ball, Kobe LB, P. Slizzle, Shailene Martin and Stephen Twigger and recent um, people who have helped out via uh, direct donations in the um, PayPal would be uh, uh, Wayne Seaman, Jared Terry and Obrad Puscarica. So thank you to the recent patrons. Thank you to the old patrons. We've um, had a good run with patronage lately. Much appreciated. Now, uh, Michael Moore, a podcaster, and mm. he's got a podcast called Rumble. You should listen to it. It's really good. I've
0: never heard it, yeah. Uh,
2: obviously, documentary maker. And he has made a movie called Land of the Humans, mm. and you can watch it for free on YouTube right now. And... Scott, you haven't seen it yet, have you? I haven't seen it yet, no. Yeah. No. So very interesting movie about renewable energy and basically makes two points I see. that That the windmills and the solar panels that we're using for renewables chew up a huge amount of resources and create a lot of mining and other things that are really harmful and they don't last forever.
0: They don't last very long at all is what. The point they
2: made, maybe 20 years? So there's a huge cost where you're basically needing to burn a lot of fossil fuel to make these things Mm. and causing a lot of environmental degradation along the way. And then the second point you made was that um, a lot of the environmental groups, particularly in America, seem to have been taken over by corporate interests Mm. and uh, the Koch brothers, for example, and others who – have made contributions to these groups. And as a consequence, they're very much in favour of, and I can't remember the exact terminology, but it was like eco-burning or sustainable oh. burning of some, it was, which was basically wood chip burning. Yes. What do they call it, biofuel? Biofuel. That's it. So biofuel. And they which is just burning trees. Basically wood chipping trees. Yes. And burning the wood chips. And, and they're and-
0: promoting it as a renewable resource. Yes. And they've been, you know, literally just chopping down forests to chip the trees and feed them into these big furnaces yes on the pretext that it's somehow environmentally friendly
2: yes because it's, it's renewable because you can in theory grow, the trees, grow again. the trees again but at the rate they're chopping them down i just and not only that but it's a carbon fuel
0: and they're releasing co2 into yes. the atmosphere yes which seems to defeat the whole purpose of of the, of the whole push to get away from burning you know, carbon-based
2: fuels. Yes, and so, of and not course- only
0: that. If I if I can mm. interrupt you, Trevor, he also they also in the film made the point that because they're unreliable, of course, you know, solar only works when the sun shines, mm. wind only works when the wind blows. They're all they're invariably dependent on having a backup uh, power generator, yeah, which just which runs on something else, and usually gas or. Biofuels, so-called.
2: But what they also did was they showed a number of projects where politicians and business leaders from Elon Musk to all sorts of people were saying, look at this facility that we've built. It's all run on renewables. Biofuels. Meanwhile, they're clearly hooked up to the main power supply and even, you know... um, Specific sort of um, green-friendly rock concerts and other events where they were saying, "Hey, isn't yeah. it great? We're all we're running we're, we're on running renewable on, power On here. renewable, and meanwhile they walk around the back of the stage. They weren't, and and there's a power cord leading to the main yeah mains power mains power or yeah. a,
0: or a diesel generator or something that actually works and yeah. is reliable yeah. So and supplies enough power because so, the other yeah. point about mm. solar and and wind, of course, is. They don't produce huge amounts of electricity.
2: Well, they do in good times, but and it's all about storage. And we've done, dear listener, have a look through our back catalogue. We did an interesting one about storage using water and ponds. And oh, well, there's that, and but... you could the, the point was that when the sun's shining and the wind's blowing, you can use the excess power to pump water up into ponds and then run it down through so mm-hmm. as a means of, of storage, which seemed to be quite effective, but. Anyway, um, it was an interesting program, definitely Mm. thought-provoking, and the other part about it was that he was really saying that the only Mm. solution is population control, that That we have to stop growing and there's just too many of us. Yes. And and that these ideas that we can do cheap or clever technology tricks to get us out of this problem Mm. is fanciful. And really, there just has to be less of us. Was kind of what it was saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: mm. Just you know, slightly diverging, but sort of on the same topic. Came across an article where a do you know what a springtail is? It's a very tiny. Um, I don't know if it's an insect as such, but it's it's a what do you call it? You know, these external skeleton creatures. It's only about one or two millimeters long. It's a very small animal, mm. but it it. It lives all over the earth and it's been studied by some Australian scientist and she's, she's uh, identified some new species in Antarctica, I think, and she, she named one of them after Greta Thunberg. <laughs> what a great idea. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's good.
2: So Greta's now got a tiny Gret- little... Gret- Gretius Thunbergius or something like that. Something There's like that. A Latin Gret- sort of... Greta-i or something a, a like that. A Latin sort of it, uh, Yeah. Um, working on that. Yep. So she's
0: got a little springtail named after her now. Yep.
2: Now, did you hear about the Indigenous footballers, um, Josh Adokar and yes. Huchel Mitchell? Yes, yes. Who were out on their motorbikes shooting and stuff. <laughs> Obviously not social distancing. Having a good time. When they were told they had to be good boys. And...
0: But where's the harm, for goodness sake? They're out in the countryside somewhere.
2: Mm.
0: Who were they hurting? Who were they endangering?
2: Well, they were at one point photographed a group of about 12 of them. on 12 of them? Yes. Oh, I didn't realise there were that many in the group. Yes, Okay. All all huddled up together for the photo. I just
0: heard a radio report and Mm. uh, they they got up for firearms offences too, didn't they? I don't know. Yes,
2: they did. But Josh Adokar said... Uh, he's Indigenous, as is Latrell Mitchell. He mm-hmm. said, mate, it was a cultural gathering, learning about our land and our culture, learning yes. how to hunt, live off the land. There you go.
0: What about the funeral attended well, by something like 70 mourners in well, Queensland, which was given an exemption from the usual uh,
2: crowd limits? You've, you've stolen the thunder because I was going to say. According to this author of this of the football article, he yeah. said, "What culture is that? Riding motorbikes without helmets and shooting twenty twos, and how exactly does the virus know to leave that culture alone? Uh, maybe somebody should make Car aware. Weddings across the country have been cancelled because of social distancing laws forbidding more than five people attending, or only ten can gather at funerals. And I feel like writing unless to unless you're author- indigenous, exactly." <laughs> because in, a, in Queensland, the um, Chief Health Officer gave a special exemption for 80 people to That's attend right. a funeral of an Indigenous elder in Mackay.
0: And the Queensland opposition, to their great credit, pointed out the inconsistency. Mm. Yeah, indeed. And we don't often give them much credit for anything, do yeah. we? Yeah. So no
2: newspaper articles uh, admonishing those 80 people for gathering together in what was uh, an Indigenous cultural ceremony, no Certainly doubt. It was. And um, meanwhile, two footballers on motorbikes participating in Indigenous culture. Yeah. Uh, well. There you go.
0: There you go. No helmets. Yeah. You've got to be Indigenous, right?
2: Look, we haven't even mentioned Trump and uh, and the cleaner cleaning fluids. <laughs> Scott, you would have been across that one. Any thoughts on um, I, on that? You haven't been swilling death hole, have you? F- Scott?
3: No, I haven't. He's an absolute fucking moron. I mean he was
0: only being sarcastic. Come on, give him a he wasn't some being slack.
3: sarcastic. The guy was actually serious when he was <laughs> first yeah. when he was first asked about it, he was being quite serious when he said, you know, we should look into this. Yes. I thought to myself, you know, then he said, what well, well, could we put it in intravenously? I thought to myself, this man <laughs> is digging a much deeper grave than oh, in his necessary.
0: Can yeah. you imagine how many numbskulls? might have actually tried it after hearing him talk about it. Well, there's actually reports of people actually drinking this stuff. And not only in America, by the way, in Mm. some other countries, I think. Where was it? I saw a, a news item, I think India or somewhere like that.
2: So here's what he said. A question that probably some of you are thinking of if you're totally into that world, which I find to be very interesting. So supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, whether it's ultraviolet or very powerful light, and I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. Supposing you brought the light inside the body, which you can do either through the skin or in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that too. Sounds interesting. And then I see the, dis- the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute. One hmm. minute. Yep. And is there a way to, we can do something like that by injection mm. inside or almost a cleaning? Mm. Because you see it gets in the lungs and it does a tremendous number in the lungs. It would be very interesting to check you're going to have to use medical doctors with that, but it sounds interesting to me, Mm. and so we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills in one minute, that's pretty powerful. But
0: you've got to love Trump's love of science and, you know, the quest for new knowledge.
2: Yep. So Fox News in America, of course, said, what a beat up by the left. He oh. wasn't suggesting that people yes. inject themselves. Wasn't he? Aren't we lucky we don't have a Fox News in Australia? Don't we? We do. It's called Sky After <laughs> Dark. Fox Let me play you a little bit of Sky News. Are they
0: asking us to inject Dettol as well?
2: Here we go. Listen to what Donald Trump said. He did not say people should inject themselves with disinfectant. It goes on and on and on and a whole panel of guys on Sky News saying what a beat up by the left. And it's a classic straw man thing because, sure, Trump doesn't say to people, go and inject yourselves. But what he does do is suggest that this is a worthwhile thing for medical people to investigate as to whether injecting people with disinfectant might work, which is just ludicrous. So they end up killing people. But but is the thing that gives me the shits about Sky News Mm. is they get quoted now by us, but the insiders quotes Sky News. If you go on an aeroplane when you used to be able to fly, Mm. often the news that was on board was Sky News. Mm. You're sitting in the airport watching it, it's Sky News. Mm -hmm. If you go into uh, public transport areas... Railway stations. Railway stations, it's Sky News. That insidious heap of shit that calls itself a news program, just appears in legitimate places and gets a legitimate airing and, and it's frightening where Sky News is going to take us over the next years. Mm. We, we have our own Fox News. It's just as bad, uh, Sky News. Um, I'm worried that they get quoted and their opinions are, are brought forward way too much right gentlemen absolutely we're about done we've got uh,
0: can I just say I hope your your fame with this podcast doesn't go to your head, Trevor, and that you start spouting things like this on the podcast in the future. Things like what? I don't
2: know. I've been accused of not being iron fist enough lately as well. Oh, have it's, you? Yeah. Getting so too soft. Apparently. So I have to do what I can about that. Hmm. Um, at the end of this, I'm going to play a lovely message that I got from a listener, uh, Daniel, who had some kind words to say about the Anzac Day ceremony. Thank you again to the people who made those comments. I appreciate that. If you... Over the next 12 months, find some interesting material in terms of secular poems or other mm. things, readings, particularly stories of people's hard times in war or things that just demonstrate how bad it is. That would be good. Send them to me. So, right, dear listener, thank you for your attention. Scott, good luck in central Queensland. Um, thank
0: you very much, Trevor. Keep up the good
2: fight. Paul, thank you once again.
0: Always a pleasure, Trevor.
2: We'll be back next week. Bye for now. Cheers. Bye now. Bye, everyone. Hello, Trevor. Daniel here. Uh, It's Monday evening, uh, more than 48 hours after I listened to the Anzac Day ceremony episode that you did, and it's still moving me. It's been stuck in my head since then because it was so moving. It was so spot on. It was so personal on your part. I just want to say thank you for for creating it and for sharing so much of yourself. It was um, it was touching, and I'm not afraid to say that I choked up a little bit. Uh, thank you very much. Please keep up the good work with the podcast. I'm quite happy to be a supporter. Thank you. Bye. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast?